You'll be turning in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And while you're finding that passage of Scripture, I want to make a few comments about uh, the significance of this day. My guess is probably 99% of you guys that are here have never been to an installation service. Am I right? Well, join the crowd. <laughs> and you are probably wondering, what is this installation service all about? Well, I stand before you to let you know that I guess the reason why we're doing this is because I felt like we needed to do it. <laughs> and that's good enough, isn't it? Amen? <laughs> but uh, really, I, I, somehow or another, we need to grasp how big this moment is. Not just this moment, but we need, we need to grasp somehow or another the significance of what's going on here today. I guess the only way or, or a beginning point for you to understand and to grasp the magnitude of this moment and what this represents, okay? Because really, in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of like the wedding day. You know, it, the, the wedding is just the one day, but the, the, the marriage is, it goes on, and it, that's where the work comes in. And, and, and this is just the beginning, but how big, how big this marriage is between the pastor leader and, and the church, the congregation, and, and where it all begins is for you and I, we as a church, to understand how important we are as a church in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God. And there's lots of passages, we, we looked at a couple of them, but one of, one of the statements that, that is made in the book of Acts is Paul's writing, or speaking to the, to the leaders, the church leaders in Ephesus, and he says, as, as he admonishes them to, to guard after the sheep in the church, he says, because the church is that which has been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are so important to God. We are so important to God that there's not another organization, there's not another group of people, there's not another institution on the face of the earth that is more precious to God than you guys, than North Roanoke Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, Peter writes about that over in, over in 1 Peter chapter 2 as he's describing the church and he says, you are God's chosen ones. Now, see, I don't know if I would have personally chose you or not, but God has, okay? God has chosen you, and you are here because God chose you to be here. I am here because God chose me, even long before God, I ever chose or you ever chose God. And he says, you are God's, you are my special treasure. You're my special treasure. And so I just want you to understand, and I want you to grasp how, how precious and how special Every single one of us as individuals, but also as a congregation, as a group together, how special we are before God. But we also want to recognize another aspect of this, another side of this, and that's the leader that God has brought to us to be your pastor leader for the years to come, and that's Daniel Palmer. And we celebrate how God has been working in his life, and God's at work in all of our lives individually, and he has a ministry for every single one of us. And how, how God has, 
has been engaged in, in Daniel's decision-making process and in his training and his life experiences and, and all of those things. And he's prepared him and brought him to this moment. And we need to take a moment, not just to let this thing go by and say, well, okay, Daniel's going to be our next pastor and all this kind of stuff. And Pastor Daryl's retiring. But we need, to, we need to somehow or another grasp how important this is be, before, before God and how he's been involved in all of this and, and how important it is that, that we become together the people that God wants us to become. And so, the key verse, the key verse, just one verse that, that I feel like it, it puts it in a nutshell and it's a message for both of us. It's a message for Daniel, his, the, the, your, your pastor leader, for who knows how many more years ahead, but also for us. There's a message for you and me and for him. And here it is right here. Let's look at it together. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. God speaks to us in this one verse about the pastor-church relationship and how it will be mutually beneficial and profitable for kingdom purposes. There's two words that God uses in this church-pastor relationship in relationship to the pastor leader. And they are the words, what? Can you fill in the blanks? Obey and what? Submit. What are those two words? Say it. Obey and submit. That sounds really good. Y'all say that again. <laughs> Obey and submit. Now, you know, there's some problems with those words, aren't there? First of all, let me give you an idea about what these words mean. To, to obey somebody means you trust that person, okay? That that, that, that person that, that you're obeying uh, has a measure of wisdom that is out for your own personal best interests. There's a trust relationship that's going on there. And... Uh, Somebody who obeys somebody else agrees, is in agreement. Their actions are in agreement with what is being spoken to them. And so we have that one who obeys. But then he also uses another word, and that word means to, uh, to, to submit. And that word means to line up under. To line up under, you know, and know what that means? It means to obey even when you are not in agreement. Even when you are not in agreement. And those are the two words that God uses. God uses as he wants to communicate to the people not only that the writer of Hebrews is addressing in the church, but as he addresses these timeless truths that apply to us as well. Now there's some problems with these two words and one of those problems is in this American culture that we live in today, there is a love affair that goes on with individualism and people wanting to do it their way, their way. There's also another culture that uh, exists sometimes among Baptist churches, and that is the, the misguided, misunderstood, misapplied truth in the Scriptures 
the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer. And the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer says that certainly each one of us has direct access to God. That you don't need to come through your pastor to get to God. You don't need to go through anybody that's in a hierarchical order for you to get to God. You have... You are a priest, you go to God, and you also go to God in behalf of those that you love and you pray for them, you intercede for them, you minister to them. But there's also a misguided, misinterpreted, misapplied doctrine in the church when sometimes in the Baptist church we say, well, I'm a Baptist and I believe in the priesthood of belief. I can say what I want to say and do what I want to do and nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that's completely contrary to the truths that we find in God's Word. And specifically, this one verse, obey and submit to your leaders. Well, there's, there's also an, another problem that we find out, and that is the rampant abuse that we see out there of those people who are in authority. We pick up the paper and we read about those that are in law enforcement and authority figures and how they abuse their authority and and we read about those that are in, in government positions of responsibility and how they abuse their, their position of authority. And we read about, we read about uh, businessmen and we read about all kinds of leaders and we read about, and we also, maybe many of you have, have experienced the abuse of authority within the home. And, and so we live in this culture where there's this rampant uh, uh, abuse of authority that's all around us and and so we we see this rampant abuse of authority all around us and 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 we have these the, the sinful nature within us that that resists any type of authority where anybody would tell me what to do we resist that just by our sinful nature we resist that and yet and yet God says God says when it comes down to the church we need to develop a more biblical healthy understanding what God has in mind when it comes down to his church being the kind of people and functioning in such a way for the glory of God. And so these two, these two words, obey and submit. Here's the question. Here's the question that you all have. Why? Why? We sound like little kids sometimes. I want you to do this. Why? Why should we obey and submit? There's three reasons. Three reasons right here in this particular text. And the first reason is this. He tells us pastor leaders are called by God to watch over your souls. The pastor leader, I for the past 29 years, as your pastor leader here in this church, I have been called by God to watch over your soul. The next one who comes, Daniel Palmer, he's been called by God for a task, and that task is not to, not to promote his own ego, not to, not to improve his particular status, but, but the agenda that God has given to us as pastors is to watch over your souls. How do we do that? Well, that is an awesome task. But there's many ways, but the, the Bible spells out for us as pastors and leaders in the church at least three ways that we can fulfill this awesome responsibility that God has given to us. And the first way, primary way, is through the ministry of the Word. Through the ministry of the Word. 
And so time and time again, we see that the priority of the leader, the church leader, is to be faithful in the ministry of the Word. As a matter of fact, in verse 7 of the same chapter, chapter 13, if you look in verse 7, if you have your Bibles open, the writer of Hebrews is saying, I want you to take just a moment and I want you to remember those who led you, those who led you in the past, they're not with you now, Maybe they're deceased, maybe they've gone, but they they led you in the past. And how did they lead you? It says they spoke the word of God to you. They spoke the word of God to you. The way they led was to take this word and, and, and to share it with you, to share the truths of this word with you. That's the ministry of the word. In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles were just being overwhelmed with responsibilities. And as a matter of fact, some of the congregation began to complain and grumble that not everything was getting done. It needed to be done. It was some people that were being overlooked. And so the the apostles, instead of catering to the needs and the gripes and the complaints of the congregation and trying to fulfill it themselves, they said they stood before the congregation. They said, listen, listen, the ministry of the word is so important that we we cannot neglect the ministry of the word And so you have got to find people among yourselves to meet these particular needs. That's the priority of the ministry of the Word. Why? What is it that the Word does for you that nothing else that the pastor leader can do? The Bible tells us one thing, that the Word of God will feed your soul. The Word of God will feed your soul. Jesus asked Peter at the very last conversation, one of the last conversations that Jesus had with Peter, he asked Peter, says, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter said, well, you know I love me. And, and, and Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He's talking about whatever it is you feed sheep. He's talking about taking the physical food and feeding sheep. No, he's talking about, and we do a pretty good job around, that, around here with that, don't we? Huh? With all the food that we serve and all, but he's talking about this right here. The Apostle Peter, matter of fact, in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter calls the Word of God, it, it, it's, 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 like, it's like milk for the newborn baby. And it feeds that newborn baby and it, and, it, and it nourishes that newborn baby. That's the food. And so the Word of God feeds the soul. But also, Hebrews 4.12, it's not always pleasant. And a lot of times we talk about, well, preacher, you... you uh, you stepped on my toes this morning. Well, folks, if I step on your toes, I'm sorry. I was aiming at your heart. I was aiming at your heart. The Word of God says this, Hebrews 4.12, The Word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit, of the, both the joints and the marrow, and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. We need something, folks, to get down below the superficial, the superficiality and the level that we live in life and maintain and rationalize and justify the secret, the hidden addictions that we have in life and the secret sins that we keep to ourselves. How is that? How does God deal with those things? You can keep those things from me. You can keep those things from Daniel. You can keep those things from your wife, maybe. And from your children. But you come and you sit under the the preaching of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit takes this. And He'll convict your heart with it. 
And he'll cut deep with it. And that's through the ministry of the word. And that's, that's the ministry that God has given to the pastor teacher. That's how he keeps watch over your souls. God's word also inspires the body. It inspires the body. Over in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, that's the word of God, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's the, the, the same scripture that God used or the same spirit that God inspired God's word with, when God's word is preached, that same spirit that inspired it to be written is the same spirit that takes it in and inspires you. It encourages you. It strengthens you. And he goes on, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and reproof and for correction and training and righteousness that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. How in the world? How in the world is the expectation of one man, one pastor, one teacher, one leader, how does he equip all of you for ministry? I don't know. He, he, he can't tell you how to do everything in ministry from that point of view. But God, in an, in, in an amazing, miraculous, God kind of a way, will use God's Word, and you spend time in God's Word, and he'll use God's word to equip you. Yes, I went to seminary. Yes, I went to seminary for three years. And then I went on and got my, my other education beyond my master's and got my doctorate. But I'm here to tell you, you know what equipped me for, my, for, for ministry with you? It, it wasn't three years in seminary. It's every day. It's every day sitting before the word of God. And it's every week that we come and, and, and we, we hear what God's Word has to say to us. That's what equips us and keeps us going in ministry and so. And so why in the world, why in the world would the Scripture say to a church, obey and submit to this pastor leader? And it's because he is, he is it has been given to him and assigned to him to watch over your souls and to do that through the ministry of the Word. There's nobody. And I think I can say this quite confidently. I know I can. There's not a single person in this church, I don't believe, that's going to spend more time in God's Word than your pastor. Nobody. And there, there are those of you that are serious Bible students, and I applaud that. But I know what my life has been like in God's Word, and I've come to know Daniel well enough to know what his life is in, is in God's Word. And I can say confidently that there's not anybody that's going to spend more time in God's Word than your pastor. He's going to know it. He's been, he's been, he's been taught the skills of interpretation and application of God's Word in the right way so we don't go off on, on, on crazy tangents. And so that's the ministry of God's Word. But not only the ministry of of God's Word, but there's also the ministry of knowing. In John 10.10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and what? I know them, and they follow me. I know them. There's nobody that knows the people of the church, certainly after a certain period of time, like the pastor. Pastor knows not only your name, but I know a life experience for just about every one of you. I know your personalities, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, know your potential, know your potential in God's kingdom. 
That's all about the ministry of caring. That's all about the ministry of knowing. And, and so, how is it? How is it that he watches over your soul? How is it that the pastor leader watches over your soul? It's through the ministry of caring, of knowing you, the ministry of, of God's Word, and it's also the ministry of leading. The ministry of leading. No one's in a better picture. No one's in a better position to see the big picture than the pastor. The pastor's not just concerned about what's going over here in this little age group or what's going over here with this little special interest group. But the pastor sees the big picture. Not only what's going on in the church, he sees the big picture, but he also sees the big picture about what's going on outside beyond the church. There's not anybody that's going to know more, read more, be networked in more with other pastors, other leaders in church work, mission work, than your pastor will be. And, and, and through all of that, he will develop vision for North Ronald Baptist Church. And so for all of those reasons, that's how he watches over the flock. So he can see where it is that we need to go. So he can care for those of us as, along the way. So he performs the ministry of the Word. And for that reason, for that reason, out of respect, we obey and we submit. There's another reason, and that is pastor leaders are accountable to God. It says, <clears throat> for they watch over your, they watch over the sheep as those who will what? Say it with me. As those who will what? Give account. Give account. Did you know over these past 29 years I've been accountable to God for you. Daniel is accountable to God for you. Look at Paul. Paul, Paul grasps the magnitude of this as he writes the church in, in Corinth. And here's what he has to say in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. Therefore, we have as our ambition, we ministers of the gospel, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to who? Who? Who is the him? It's God. I want to let you all in on something. I haven't been trying to please you all these years. I, 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 don't, I don't delight in making you mad. And there's been some times when I've made everybody mad. <laughs> we won't go into that right now. You probably know some of them. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that there's somebody more important than you are, that we are, and I'll put, we, I'll put me in there, there's somebody more important than we are that he's accountable to. And it's God. It's God. And, and Paul understood that. And he had a relationship with the church in Corinth. And, and, and it was such that there were some times when it wasn't good. He had to come down hard on them. And they didn't like him very much. But they worked through all of that. He didn't just pack up and leave. They stayed with him. And they worked through it. And they grew together. He says, therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All of you and all of us, pastor leaders, there's going to be a day when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Dan is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You're going to stand before the ju judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to be held accountable so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether they've been good 
or whether they have been bad. Let me share a little something with you about what goes on in the process of the experience of a genuine call from God to be a pastor leader in a church. Daniel and I have talked about it. We've had somewhat similar experiences, and I guess the similarity is this. It, it, it started off with a struggle. It started off with a struggle. When I started, when I started feeling God's ta- hand tapping me on the shoulder and that, that inner voice speaking to me about what He wanted me to do in my life, I didn't want to do it. Matter of fact, when I grew up as a kid, I always told my parents, there's one thing I don't want to do. When they would ask me what it is that you want to do, I would say, the one thing I don't want to do I don't want to be a preacher and I don't want to get up there every Sunday and have to carry and preach a sermon and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? There's a struggle that goes on oftentimes, typically, when when you're dealing with what God wants you to do in life and you come to a point of surrender. And there was a time in my little 66 Malibu that I was driving to class one foggy morning and on that road, I surrendered to God. And I, and I said, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'll do what you want me to do. If you want me to be a pastor in the church, I'll do that. As scared as I am about doing that, I'll do it. I'm, I'm telling you that story because I want you to know something. I didn't surrender to either one of you. There's not a single person in here that I surrender to. I'll tell you, who is it that you feel accountable to? You feel accountable to the person that you surrender to. And you are accountable to the person that you surrender to. And I'm here to tell you that a pastor, teacher, leader in a church, yes, he doesn't want to just intentionally go off on tangents making everybody mad. No, you got to be careful about what you do. I don't understand all the wisdom in that. But ultimately, ultimately, that which drives us, motivates us, is we know that we're accountable to God. Why is it? Why is it that he would write these words and say, I want you to obey him. I want you to submit to him because I've called him and I know that he feels accountable to me. Wow. That is big. That is big. And then, (laughs) then he says, here's a third reason. Here's a third reason. He says, it is profitable to do so. It is profitable to do so. Here's how that verse goes. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. In other words, when the pastor, leader, has to serve his church, and it's not joyful at all, that it's just a grievous experience, why would it be so? It's because the people are not obeying and the people are not submitting and all they're doing is griping and complaining and refusing and resisting to go the way that we believe that God wants us to go. And here's what he says. Here's what he says. That would be unprofitable for you if if, if he has to serve out of of grief instead of joy. Well, it's obvious obvious here that for the pastor leader, it's not going to be a, a, a joyful experience with everybody resisting and, and every time you try to do something, somebody complains about it, somebody resists it, somebody gives you grief about it. That's the obvious one. But that's not exactly what it says here, is it? It says it would be unprofitable for who? For you. Now what is that all about? What is that all about? Well, let's just think about it this way. 
We're, we're, we're the family of God here, okay? We're the family of God. Have, have you ever... Oh, my. Have you ever planned a family vacation? That's an oxymoron, is it not? <laughs> a family vacation? I mean, you, you know, you kind of, you get the kids together, you know, and, 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 and you sit down and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, where do you want to go next year on our family vacation? Well, Daddy, I love to camp, and so let's go camping in the mountains and hike and fish. And another little sibling says, I hate hiking. I don't want to sleep in a tent. I want to stay in a motel. Let's go to the beach. And another one says, Man, that's so hot, and I don't like that. I don't want to go to the beach. So anyway, you know all that stuff's going on. Let me ask you this. Is that a joyful experience, or is that a grieving experience? Huh? And then all of a sudden, you know, you finally come to a consensus, you know, and, and maybe, maybe the, the, the spiritual leader of the family has to make an executive decision that this is what we're going to do and you're going to obey and you're going to submit and here we go and so it comes time for the vacation and, and you start ready to get in the car. <laughs> you get in the car and I want to sit in the front seat. No, that's my turn to sit in the front seat. And you, you sat in the front seat last time we went on a vacation and you sat there and that's my turn and and oh, we want to watch this on the movie. I want to listen to this kind of music and, and all this kind of, we're going to leave early in the morning. I want to sleep in. And, and then you get to the vacation. We're going to do this event. I want to go to this restaurant. I don't like that food. I want to go to this food. And you get the picture. You get the picture. Is that joyful? Huh? Does anybody here like to be in the midst of all of that? Does anybody here want to be in a griping, complaining, grieving church? I don't want to be part of all of that. I don't want to. And, and I'll tell you somebody, those people out there don't want to be a part of that either. It's not profitable for the pastor leader. It's not profitable for you. And it certainly isn't profitable for the witness that God has put us here to be. For kingdom purposes, those purposes that are bigger than ourselves. May the pastor church relationship here at North Roanoke Baptist Church be known throughout the Roanoke Valley and beyond as one that God has in mind and has planned for this church a healthy, happy, joy-filled relationship working together of one mind, of one heart, of one spirit, accomplishing the goals of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to be. And that's what we're installing here today, is that kind of pastor, leader, that will, is worthy to stand in that particular position.